Um, I toiled with whether I should do this or not, and I probably shouldn't since there's so many people who were here last week and were impacted by what I said that aren't here, so they will not hear my uh, written statement, but my wife assured me I need to address something, and so I believe my wife is accurate almost all the time, <clears throat> and um, more, more so than I am. And so last week, we, I preached a message. Well, first, if you weren't here last week, go ahead and take your hands and do this and cup them over both sides of your head and say, la, 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 really loud. Because this will only further confuse you. But last week, I do what I often do. I chase rabbits. And I was teaching about try it on, and I was talking to you about how I like trying on new things, you know. As someone who was raised, never having anything new. See, y'all are, I guess there's more of you that know. Yeah, shalabababababa. Right. Hopefully they edited it. But uh, I attempted to use humor to drive home a point, but I think I hit the wrong nail. Because my wife said, when, well, let me, I was talking about how I like to try on new things, and somehow a rabbit ran by, and I said, ooh, pretty rabbit. And uh, so suddenly I found myself talking about how I'd wear my wife's clothes. And my wife said she could hear people behind her going, oh, sweet Jesus. Dear Lord. And uh, so... I just figured, you know what, we, this is real life, let's keep it real, but let's all get on the same page. Um, if the image that my words drew in your head had anything to do with frills and lace and satin, delete that button right now, hit the delete button, delete that image. Because I was talking about, now everyone say, I'm listening. T-shirts and sweatshirts. Sweatshirts, T-shirts. T-shirts, sweatshirts, nothing else. Except there was, yes, yes, there was. <clears throat> I did wear her robe outside. But you need to know, when I wore her robe outside, I spoke in a very manly voice. I sucked in the belly, I stuck out the chest, and my voice went down an octave, and I wore that pink robe in a very manly way. So apart from the robe and the t-shirts and the sweatshirts, nothing else. If you had an image of a drag queen, you better hit that delete button. And although I like Rick James, I am not a super freak. So there, we've dealt with it. <laughs> we've passed that off-ramp, and we are going down the road. Amen? Hallelujah. Father, thank you for helping me get past that. And I would say it would never happen again, but it will. Today, I want to talk to you for a few moments. And in fact, I'm going to give you your hope by hitting my watch for 38 minutes and 28 seconds. Go to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. For the past months, we've been talking about big. That's all right. The, um, 
we've been talking about dreaming big, talking big. Today I want to talk to you about big faith. Big faith is possible, but it's not automatic. But we ought to make faith, the growth of our faith, the object of our efforts. Because big faith, hear me when I say this, everyone say I'm listening. Big faith makes big things possible. Right? There are, there are times, if you, I think it's about five different times, depending upon what translation you read, where Jesus spoke about people having little faith. Now, I'll cover that in a little bit because it's amazing what the circumstances were. Well, I, he, failing to walk on water. He called that little faith. The failure to cast out devils and demons. Little faith. The worry about what you're going to wear and where you're going to live and what tomorrow's going to bring. Little faith. Hmm? The, the inability to talk to the wind and the rain and have them cease. Little faith. I mean, come on. This is the failure to do... It's as if Jesus is saying, listen, this is the beginning of it. This is not high faith. This is low-level stuff. But big faith makes big things possible. So in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, I want to read this out out of the New American Translation. The Bible says, And without faith... It is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that is a rewarder of those who seek him. And one translation says of those who diligently seek him. Now I've preached on this a lot of times, so I don't want to preach on the whole verse. I just want to pull out five words out of this and I want you to listen to this. Without faith, It is impossible. Just stop right there. Without faith, the realization of that God-given dream, of that potential placed within you by divinity himself, without faith, that's impossible. Y'all listening to me? Seeing the invisible and doing the undoable. Without faith, that's impossible too. Doing the works of the kingdom. Are y'all here this morning? See, there are some things you can't do just because you have a highly evolved mind. The kingdom of God is not made up of our intellects. It's not the strength of our arm or the power of our mind that makes the supernatural. And this is the reason why so many people miss it. They go to seminary and they get a PhD and they think they're spiritual because they got letters behind their name. It's not an intellectual exercise. You can have great intellect and little faith. So much of what the kingdom has for us is impossible without faith. From some of us, the ability to get ahead of that rat in the rat race, that's impossible because we come from poverty. Our mama was poor, our daddy was poor, their parents were poor. Poorness runs in our family, but it doesn't have to. 
But without faith, there are some cycles you can't break. But these things need not be impossible. Doing the undoable ought to be natural. Are y'all here this morning? But it's not a matter of thinking it, it's of believing it, because it's not of the mind, it's of the heart, it's by faith. Everyone say, without faith, faith. impossible. Impossible. But with faith, faith. possible. possible. That means if we've got enough faith, the impossible becomes possible. Today I want to talk to you about big faith. Go to Romans chapter 10, verse 17. I know this, listen, this message for many of you is going to be beyond basic. It's going to be elementary. I understand that. But sometimes we have to put ourselves in remembrance of the foundational things. Right? If we don't have a basic understanding of faith, you got no need chasing angels. Don't run after that which is, seems to be highly evolved if you don't even have the foundational. The greatest men and women of history preached faith constantly. And let me say this, considering it being basic, uh, Keith Moore said this to us many years ago when we were in school. He said that if the truth of something bores you, it's not because you know it. It's because you've lost it. Because if it's the truth of the kingdom, it's exciting every time you hear it. You understand what I'm saying? When my wife looks at me in the morning and says, I love you, that still excites me. Even after 30 years of marriage, it never gets boring. And it ought to be that way with the kingdom. When Brother Hagin used to teach to it, I heard some of his stories over a hundred times. He would preach the same thing over and over and over again. But every time it was like looking at the, the, the facet of a diamond. Yes. You just saw something new in it. Yes. The kingdom of God and the truth of God is so large, you're not going to get it in a single lifetime. So even if what I'm saying this morning you've heard many, many, many times, I'm telling you straight up, if it bores you, on, it's because you've lost it. But if you got it, it'll still pull out of your spirit a praise the Lord. Amen. So in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, Paul says, so faith comes. And I want to stop right there. Faith comes. Everyone say faith comes. Now th- what this is telling us is, listen to this. Faith is not a product of your imagination. Faith doesn't. It doesn't bubble up from within. Faith is not something that we produce being humans. Faith is divine in origin. The The Bible gives a great many titles to Jesus Christ. One of them is author. Author of what? Faith. That means faith begins with him. So faith comes, it doesn't, it, it's not from within, it's not, a, it's not a product of my intellect. It's not a figment of my imagination. Faith comes from somewhere outside of me. And it's important that we know faith comes. Because if I produced faith, my faith could never be greater than I am. Y'all following me? You can never produce anything greater than you. 
I have an ending. Y'all with me this morning? So if my faith was a production of my intellect, it would be limited by my intellect. It would be limited by my imagination. It would be limited by my lifespan. But the fact that faith comes to me from someone greater than me means the faith that I receive is as great as the one who sent it. Paul said this in the book of Galatians. Paul went on, he said, you know what? Y'all are looking at me, but I ain't even here. I'm dead. And he said, the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Paul was saying, I've got faith, but it really ain't my faith because I didn't author this faith. Someone else authored it. They signed it. And I'm living by what they produced. So everyone say again, faith comes. See, when you understand this, this basic stuff, but you need to understand that the faith that was given to you is of divine design. That means your faith is not limited by your circumstances. You can't look at who you are and think my faith is inferior because I'm broken. No, 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 no. Your faith isn't a product of your life. It's the product of his life. So your faith is as great as he is. It has the potential to be just like his faith. Y'all following me this morning? We got to get this because we can't live a big life without big faith. So faith comes. How's it come? Well, let's keep reading. From hearing. And hearing by the word of Christ. Faith is of divine origin. And I want you to hear this. It comes when we hear God-inspired, anointed words. It's not just any words. It's anointed words. The Bible does not say the words of Jesus. The words of Christ. Why is that important? I thought his name was Jesus Christ. No, he's Jesus the Christ. He's the anointed one. He's Jesus, the one who was anointed by God to be the burden remover, yoke destroyer. So Christ was the title. And when the Bible speaks of Christ, it's speaking of the anointing. So the word of Christ is the anointed word. It's the anointed words that you hear. That birth faith in you. They are the carriers uh-huh. of faith. Come on, man. That's good. Words. Words are the delivery vehicles of faith. Yeah. You know, everything is delivered by something, right? If y'all ever order by Amazon, those boxes don't just appear. They're delivered. Yeah. Some things are delivered by train. Some things are delivered by plane. Some things are delivered by car, right? Faith, hear me, everyone look. Faith is delivered to you by words. Words are the carrier, the delivery vehicle of faith. You have no faith apart from words. Everyone say faith comes by words. This simple, this is, this is so basic, but listen, if we get this, this one thing, faith comes by words, we're light years ahead of most people who attend church. We are, we are in the PhD course of faithology. Just by understanding this one thing, faith comes by words, but not just any words, 
anointed words. For it is words that deliver to me faith. It's amazing to me how people want to ridicule words. And say, we're, ah, oh, you know, that's all mind over matter, new age, blab it and grab it. It's the very foundation of faith. When God created, he didn't create by thought. God said. The, the Bible teaches us that the worlds are framed by his words. They're upheld by his words. Do you remember when, when the disciples saw that the fig tree had withered when Jesus thought about it? No, he spoke to it. And they were amazed at the power of his faith. And he told them, have the God kind of faith. Now some translations say have faith in God, but a literal translation is have the God kind of faith. So Jesus is giving them a lesson in faith because they were amazed at by what faith could do. You see, their whole life they had witnessed religious faith. Religious faith is big in show, but no power. Jesus comes along and speaks rather nonchalantly to a fig tree and it withers from the roots up. And the disciples are so amazed at this that they ask him and he said, have the God kind of faith. How does God's faith work? By words. Everyone say, I'm listening. God, I love, God made the process of faith easy to understand. The Lord's a masterful teacher. You know, when you read through the New Testament, have you ever realized how Jesus would always make reference to something natural to explain something supernatural? Any good teacher knows that without a point of reference, you can't learn new material. You can only learn something new by referencing or illustrating something old. The Lord is a masterful teacher. In order to teach you the spiritual, He'll refer to the natural, right? And His ways are simple. Once again, religion makes everything complicated. They got multiple layers and they've got, you know, the hierarchy and they got this and they got that and you never know whether you're doing right and what might be right on Monday ain't right on Tuesday and it's only right if you're wearing a purple dress or if you got a red tie, you're of the devil, it's got all... No, no, no. God's ways are simple. They're not complex. You're either in or you're out. It's either working it or it ain't. Hmm? So in Isaiah chapter 55, this is what the Lord says here. Listen to this. For my thoughts, verse 8, 55, verse 8, My thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Then he comes down to verse 10. For as the rain and the snow... See, just because he said his ways are higher don't mean they're more complex. I believe it was Albert Einstein said that the true mark of genius is to make the complex simple. God's the greatest genius ever. He can take the most complex principles of the kingdom and present them in such a way that the uneducated, illiterate child can understand them. So when he said, my ways are not your ways, he's not saying, look, I am so complex you will have no chance of understanding my ways. He's, no, he's saying, look, you make it complicated, I'm going to show you how easy it is. Amen. 
You know, the Bible, are y'all here this yes, morning? Sir. The Bible says we're all of dust. God knows we're created from dust. You can't expect much from dust. So he makes it simple. So that dust can become divine. So this is what he says. Listen, he says, for as the rain and the snow, something you understand and something you know. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there without watering the earth and making it bare uh, and sprout and furnishing seed to the sower and bread to the eater, verse 11, so will my word be. He's saying, if you understand that, you're going to understand how my word works. For if you understand the cycle of the rain, you'll understand my word. Right? So will my word be, which goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. Now, before I go any further, what has God sent his word to do? Did he send it to kill? Did he send it to maim? Did he send it to make miserable? Not one time. God sent his word to heal. So God said, if you understand the cycle of the water, you're going to understand that my word will accomplish what I sent it to do. It's going to come to you and bring healing. Did he send his word to deliver? Then his word will deliver. But we got to understand how it works. Did he send his word to save? Save is not just getting to heaven. That's the initial step of it. But the word sozo means complete package, all of it. Deliverance, healing, well-being, all of it. His word works to accomplish all of these things. And said, he said, it will not, and this is important, it will not return to me without doing that. You all here this morning? So in order to make the process easy to understand, the Lord gave us the illustration of the rain. If you would, please put up exhibit number one. And this is on verse 10. No, that's not the one. It's the other one. It's very important. I hope you can find this. There you go. This is the process we all learned in school of rain. Do you all see that? You have condensation, you have precipitation, you have collection, and you have evaporation. We all understand this. It's not hard to understand. The water falls from the sky, okay? It, in perception, that's the rain, when it hits the ground, it saturates, it penetrates, it collects, and then it returns to where it came from so the process can continue. Right? So now the Lord is saying, my word works just like that. It's not that hard to understand. This is verse 10. Okay? Now put up the next one, please. This is the same process, but he said, this is how my word is going to be. Instead of condensation, you have the Father as the origination point. His word, he sends forth his word. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And I'm going to show you in just a moment in Isaiah, God said, this is the very foundation of my covenant. My word in your mouth. 
That's the very foundation of the covenant. My word, your mouth. Come on, brother. So God sends forth his word. It falls like rain from the sky. It enters into our ears. You don't hear with your eyes. Right? You don't, you don't hear light. You hear sound. Faith comes by hearing. So the rain comes. God's word comes. We hear it. Now here's what's important. It's got to saturate because when we hear... If we give it opportunity, it'll go into our heart. On, now, I want <clears throat> to... There's some soil rain doesn't penetrate. Yes. And if it doesn't penetrate, it can't saturate. If it don't saturate, it can't germinate. Come on, man. If the rain comes and it runs off too quickly... Y'all follow me? Yes, sir. It, it runs off really, really fast. You can just see it. As soon as it hits, it's already streaming off. There'll be no saturation because there's no time for penetration. And if there's no penetration and no saturation, there'll be no germination. It won't bring forth the fruit that it promised. This is like the one who hears the word and they very quickly forgot because they gave it really no attention. It's as they say in one ear, the runoff's too quick. They don't meditate upon the word. Can I, let me show you this verse, and then we'll come right back to Isaiah. Okay? Go to Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. And then we're going to jump back, but I want you to see this. In Joshua 1, 8, the Bible says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. Now, whenever you see depart, that literally means don't ever let it stop coming out. Don't let, it be, don't let your mouth be void of the word. Keep the word in your mouth. So this book of the law shall not depart, shall not be found absent from your mouth. But you shall what? Meditate. Meditate is to saturate. We've got to give the word time. We've got to think about what we're hearing. Meditate is the key to saturate. Saturate is the key to germinate. The reason why many of us are sitting in church year after year and never produce any fruit is we're not giving the word the opportunity. We're too quickly forgetting it because on Monday morning we're easily distracted by the cares of the world. Too much weight, too much pressure. And, and, and like the man who beheld, is this okay this morning? Like the man who beheld who he really was in the perfect law of liberty, he goes his way and he forgets what manner of man he was. He comes to church on Sunday and he hears he's an overcomer. But by Monday morning, he's the overcome. And we forget the key to saturation is meditation. There's another type of soil that's unaffected by the rain. And that's the soil that has been paved over. The soil's too hard. The Bible speaks of the hardness of some's hearts. There are some that their heart is so hard they can hear and hear and hear and there's no penetration. This is the reason why the Bible says that we've got to break up that, what the Bible calls, follow ground. If our heart is hard, baby, take a pickaxe to it. But we got to come before the word with the determination, I am going to be changed by what I hear. 
My determination is that change cometh and it cometh to me now because I am not going to let the word just run away and I'm not going to let the word bounce off the hardness of my heart. We've got to let the word saturate because this is the whole illustration God is giving. He said, listen, his word comes. It rains down on the just and the unjust alike. His word falls on all. I mean, and listen, you can't hardly get away from his word with today's technology. You got to deliberately avoid the word because there's preachers on every available voice. And if we want to change, we got to hear. Jesus said there was a group of people that they had ears. They didn't hear. We don't want to be like that because the process is it starts with he speaks it. We hear it. Now go back to that, that last slide, please. It gets into our heart. The heart is the place of germination. The heart is the place where his word listen, his word acts upon our hearts and then our hearts react upon the word. The Bible says out of the abundance of the heart, the what? The mouth speaketh. What's in the heart in abundance will come out the mouth. So if we understand the cycle, God is giving us the key to victory right here. See, if you go, go back to the other one, the one about the rain. Where this cycle operates in abundance, there's an abundance of life. Think about the rain jungles of the Amazon. Compare that to the deserts of the Sahara, right? Where this operates in abundance, there's an amazing abundance of life. Yes. This isn't complicated. No, but where this operates little or never, there's no life. Come on, man. Come on, man. In the desert, the thing that makes a desert a desert is a lack of this. The thing that makes a rainforest a rainforest is this happens every single moment of every single day. Yes. Now, in our lives, where there's an abundance, go to the next slide. The faith cycle. Where there's an abundance of this, there's an abundance of life. Is this not simple? Where there's an abundance of hearing, meditating, and speaking, his word, completing that cycle, there's an abundance of life. Yes. But where there's very little of this, there's very little life. Life and death, the Bible says, are in the power of the... Basic, it's been there the whole time. How do we change our environments? Make it rain. How do you turn a dry and parched life into a place of pleasure and rain and life? Make the change. Make it rain. How do you make it rain? You get the word in your ear. You let it sit in your heart and then you speak it. That completes the cycle. That's the faith cycle. And just because somebody wants to, you've got to make a decision. Just because somebody wants to ridicule what God clearly said, are you going to believe him or are you going to believe them? You can believe them and die or you can believe him and live. Choice is ours, right? 
Life and death are in the power of the tongue. That word power would have been better translated authority because what it's literally saying is by the words I use, I'm giving authority to either life or I'm giving authority to death. If I don't speak God's word, Jesus said the words that I speak, they are spirit and they are Go back to the book of Isaiah. I want to read to you out of 55. Well, no, verse 11, I already read that. Go to Isaiah 59. Isaiah 59, verse 21. Is this okay this morning? Isaiah 59, verse 21 says this. As for me, this is my covenant. Everyone say, this is my covenant. This is my covenant with them, says the Lord, my spirit which is upon you and my words which I have put in your mouth. Allow me to paraphrase. My covenant, my words, your mouth. My covenant, my words, your mouth. Let me rephrase that in case you're not getting it. Your words, my mouth, his covenant. His covenant is his words in your mouth. The key to every promise contained within his covenant. The key to all the provision. The key to all the protections. The key to all the breakthroughs. See, some of us have languished far too long simply because we didn't understand the process. We thought we ought to do it the way our denomination taught us. We thought we ought to do it the way the theologians taught us. We ought to do it the way the Bible teaches us. My covenant is very simple. It's my words in your mouth. He goes on to say, which I have put in your mouth shall not depart from your mouth, nor from the mouth of your offspring, nor from the mouth of your offspring's offspring. What he's saying is this. It's going to work this way for every generation. It ain't going to change just because we the modern lit ones. Some of you are too lit. You done blew out your bulb. Man, it's just basic. It doesn't change because we are illuminated ones. It doesn't change. Well, you know, Grandma believed that, but Grandma was a simple farmer. I'm a highly educated graphic designer. Wow. The kingdom's the same, man. It works the same. You know what? If grandma had answered prayers, I think we ought to pray the way grandma prayed. <laughs> Jesus, as I said, is the author of our faith. His words enter into the heart and act upon the heart, and then our heart reacts to the word. Now go to Romans chapter 10, verse 17. I want to read this to you out of the Passion Translation. Romans chapter 10, verse 17, out of the Passion Translation, says this. Faith then, is birthed in a heart that responds to God's anointed utterance. Do you see that? Faith, then, is birthed. Where is it birthed? In the heart. Why? Because we hear His Word. His Word goes in our ears. We meditate on it. It gets into the heart. We allow it time to penetrate and to saturate and to germinate and it brings forth what the Bible calls the fruit of our lips and the process is we speak what we believe 
Both David said, I believe and I speak. And Paul echoed those words and said the same somewhere. And at that point that his words, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you heard the gospel many times before you received it? Most of, but it's where it penetrated that faith came. And at that moment, it changed your storyline. The way it started is the way it continues. The kingdom of God does not change once we're in it. Okay? So having said that, go to Romans chapter 10, verse 8. All of us at the point of salvation become impregnated with faith. The Bible calls it the measure of faith. He's given to each of us the measure of faith. Brother Hagin used to call it the seed of faith. When we get saved, we have the seed of faith within us. Now, what we've got to do is give that seed what it needs to grow. Some people put no effort into growing their faith. And you know what I've discovered by watching my yard? If I put no effort into it, it don't produce what I want it to produce. I mean, flowers just don't spring up. I wish they did. I've told my wife, I want to use plastic ones. Right? But that ain't life. We need life. But life requires effort. Death will come without effort. Life requires effort. If we're going to mature our faith to graduate to a higher level, we got to put some effort into it. Because once again, I, I shared this, Jesus referred to some people as having little faith. It was like as if they were in the class of little faith. Some people, were they were in that class. They didn't have to be in that class. You know, it's okay to start at kindergarten. We all do. But if we're 40 and we're still in kindergarten, something's wrong with the picture. So we can graduate from little faith. And there were some people, Jesus said, you have great faith. I don't know about you, but I want to go from little faith to great faith. And, and, and I read recently that Club Big Faith is accepting applications. Y'all want to join? I want to be part of Club Big Faith. I want to be in a club where when we speak, things happen. When we pray, things change. When we lay our hands upon the sick, they recover. We preach, we pray, we prophesy because we've got big faith. We don't have to stay at little faith. So where was I? Romans? Romans chapter 10, verse 8. Listen to this. The word is near you. I'm almost done. What's near you? The word is near you. Where is it? It's in your mouth and in your heart. This is the word of faith which we are preaching. Romans chapter 10 verse 9 says that if you confess with your mouth. One translation says if you make a public declaration of his lordship. In whatever circumstance you're facing, you don't confess the lordship of your pain. You don't confess the lordship of your poverty. You don't confess the lordship of your sickness. You confess the lordship of Jesus over those things. In any place where you make a public declaration of Jesus as Lord over that, you shall be saved. Mm -hmm. 
that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in what? With the heart he believes, put up exhibit number, is it 12? Put up that other one again. Is this okay this morning? No, not that one. Faith. Faith comes by hearing. With the heart man believes. With the mouth man, with the ear he hears. With the heart he believes. With the mouth he confesses. And this results in salvation. That word salvation, as I've already referenced, is the word sozo. It's the entire package. Yes. See, there ain't no one, improper English, but I'm driving it home for emphasis, ain't no one ever, nada ever did, none, get saved apart from this. Everyone who's ever come into the kingdom came into the kingdom the exact same way. It doesn't matter whether we got saved in Central Africa. It doesn't matter if we got saved in Central L.A. Everyone gets saved the same way. They believe in their heart and they confess with their mouth and that results in salvation. Now what we need to understand is that when we come into the kingdom, the principle does not change. That which got you into the kingdom is the way you live in the kingdom. For every act of salvation, for every level of salvation... Your soul was saved, but now you need to get your body healed. Now you need to get your finances right. Now you need to get your mind right. Now you need to get rid of all your brokenness. We work our way up. We work out our own salvation. We work. Our salvation is an event, and it's also an ongoing experience. We, we are saved, and we're being saved. Y'all getting this? We are saved, and we are being saved. Every day we're growing in righteousness, and we're growing in salvation. My salvation operates the same every way. When I need healing, I hear the words, the anointed words of His healing. Right? I allow it to penetrate and saturate. I hear, I am the Lord that healeth thee. I dwell on it. I meditate on it. It gets into my heart. It germinates because it saturates. And then all of a sudden I'm confessing in the face of my adversity and even in the moment of my pain, I'm declaring he's the Lord that heals me. My body's hurting. There's no denying that. But I'm declaring that His Lordship is greater than my calamity. His, His Lordship is greater than my sickness. He is the Lord that healeth me. And I believe it in my heart and I confess it with my mouth and it results in salvation. So I'm saved from sickness in the same way I got saved from sin. Then I get saved from poverty in the same way I got saved from sickness in the same way I got saved from sin. Because going back, the Lord said, you want to know how all this works? As the rain falls from the sky and it collects, it penetrates, it saturates, and then it germinates, and then it returns to me. Now, when it returns in water form, it's evaporation. But when we return God's word to him, it's in prayer, profession, and praise. That's the evaporation of the human soul. I, I, I got it, right? I heard it. It saturates. Now I give it back to him in praise. I give it back to him in profession. 
I give it back to him in prayer. And you know what he said? My word will not return back to me void. But it will accomplish what I sent it out to do. When it comes back to me, it will. God's word will never come back to him from our lips void of doing what it said it would do. That's right. Wow. Mm. That's good, brother. It's the cycle, and it's unending, and it's unchanging. The Father speaks his words. They rain down upon us like rain. We hear them. We give them time to penetrate and saturate. They produce fruit, the fruit of our lips, and they return to God. We can't skip a step. Any of you have ever dealt with electricity? Do you know what happens when electricity tries to short the circuit? It's like, well, you know, Pastor, I believe in my heart, but I'm not into that confession with my mouth stuff. So I think I'll just skip that step. You know what a short circuit does? It shuts down the whole system. It shuts down the whole system. Just electricity has to complete the circuit. The rain, if, if the rain doesn't return back to the sky, it stagnates. And it creates what we would call the Dead Sea. It's got to have that cycle. And so does our faith. We can't arbitrarily say, well, I just don't really agree with that part. I, I believe in my heart, I just, and I've had people say it to me. Pastor, you had people say it to you. I know that you did. I just don't believe with that. Well, I'm sorry, baby, you don't get to design it. I'm sorry you disagree, but God's the one that originated it. He's the one that authored it, and he said, here's how it works. Boy, it got quiet on that one. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord... Someone or something having power or authority or influence, a master or ruler, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. Go to John chapter 12, verse 49. I'm skipping a few things, but I want to get you out. The simp this is the simple secret to big faith. Just understand the rain. Listen to what Jesus said in John chapter 12, verse 49. I'm going to read you three more verses, and that's it. Jesus said in John chapter 12, verse 49, For I did not speak of my own initiative, meaning I didn't speak from my own mind or my own will. I didn't initiate my words. He said, But the Father himself who sent me has given me a commandment as to what to say and what to speak. Do you remember Isaiah 59? This is the foundation of my covenant. My word, your mouth. Yes. Do you know how Jesus operated on the level he operated on? He operated because he understood the commandment that Isaiah gave. God's word, my mouth. Jesus said, I'm not speaking of my own initiative. If you hear it come out of my mouth, it's because it's the Father's words. Yes. I'm going to say it again. How did Jesus operate the way he operated? He never deviated. There's not one time you'll find him where Jesus says, you know what, the Father wants me to tell you this, but I'm going to tell you something else. Let me tell you how I really think. Let me tell you how I really believe. You bunch of heathens, you lowlifes. No, he never did that. Jesus never deviated from it. He said, if you heard it come out of my mouth, it's the Father's words. Yes. 
My words are always spirit. Yes. My words are always life because I'm not the initiator. What I hear, I speak. If you and I want to have his kind of faith, it's right there. Yes, sir. We just have to discipline ourselves that when we, when we are tempted to say how we feel, we need to stop and say, Father, are these the words you put in my mouth? I don't think so. I really want to say them. But I'm going to refrain. And faith will elevate. Mm -hmm. same, same verse, Passion tra Translation. For I'm not speaking as someone who is self-appointed, but I speak by the authority of the Father himself who sent me and who instructed me what to say. The very next verse, John chapter 12, verse 50. And I know that the Father commands result in eternal life. Ooh, that's good. Mm -hmm. I know that the Father's commands, the Father's words, result in eternal life. And that's why I speak the very words that I've heard him speak. Yes. Jesus is saying, I know if I speak the Father's words, I'll get kingdom results. Yes. Because they never fail. So he said, I speak the Father's commands because they result in eternal life. And that's why I speak those words and those words only. Amen. In closing, John chapter 6, verse 63. We've already quoted it. But the words that I speak, they are spirit and they are life. Everyone say big faith. Big faith, big faith is available to all of us. We can have a faith life that knows no limits, that knows no decrease, but it goes from level to level, from glory to glory. And we can live the life that God has ordained for us, but we can only do it by faith. Because remember how we started. Without faith, it's impossible. We can hear it forever, but it's impossible apart from faith. But the amazing thing is, and I've discovered this, and I, you know, and I ain't there yet. I'm working on it. But as soon as you step into faith, you discover he really is ready. He's always been ready. What he needs us to do is take that step of faith and then bam, it appears. And you're like, God, I've been waiting on this for years. And it's as if the father is saying, I was just waiting for you to step into faith. Right. You were griping about it and you were complaining about it, but you weren't faithing it. But as soon as you faith it, he withholds no good thing. He pours it out like rain from the sky. Hallelujah. Father, give the Lord a hand clap of praise if that helped you this morning. If you would, bow your head and close your eyes. Lee and Daisy, if you'd come up front. If you're here this morning and you have never given your life to Jesus Christ, then what I've preached is alien to you. You have no access apart from Him. But in Him, you can have a brand new life where the old pains and heartaches and addictions, even the memories themselves, will fade away from you if you give your life to Christ. So I pray that you would allow this today to be the moment of your salvation. All you have to do is stand up, come up front. It's no big deal. No one's going to embarrass you. And just pray with somebody that knows how to lead you in the confession of faith. If you need healing this morning, if you need to receive the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues or any other manifestation of the kingdom, it's available to you. There is no condemnation. There's only opportunity. So I pray that you would take advantage of that.
Now I'm going to lead us in prayer and then we'll close. If you need prayer, you come up after we're done and we'll see you all next week. Go ahead and lift your hands to the Lord.